It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Hi there, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Building. My name is Laura Pereno, and I am with Debbie Kiever today as we are finishing up our series on the armor of God. I know that Debbie and I have had really so much fun and have learned so much on this journey ourselves, and we hope it's been a blessing to you as we have gone through a portion of Ephesians 6 and looked at all of the armor every piece intentionally that God has given us so that we can stand in the battles that we face. You know, from the very first uh, episode that we talked about the fact that we are all in an unseen battle at all times, just because of our position in Christ. The minute we come into relationship with the Lord, the enemy is out to try to bring that relationship down. And every week since then, we have been talking about, discussing, looking into the Word of God for clear direction on how to use each piece that He has given us effectively and how to stand because we are putting all of these pieces together. I don't know about you, but I have been blessed uh, by this time together, and thank you so much for being a part of it with us. Today we are talking about the Sword of the Spirit. And if I were to say the one piece that I think that I use on a daily basis that I think about using, if that makes sense, it would be the sword of the spirit because the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Now we're going to get into some teaching today to tell us a little bit more about what that means. The sword of the spirit is the word of God, but the word of God, you know, this is one of the most critical pieces of armor that we have in our lives. And it's the last piece of armor that Paul actually tells us about. He concludes our dressing in the armor with take up the sword of the spirit. Can you imagine a soldier going out to battle with all of his defensive armor on? He's got his helmet on so his head is protected. He's got his breastplate on so his heart is protected. He's got his shoes on so he can stand, but he doesn't have a sword in his hands. That soldier can only defend himself, but he can't go on the offense in the battle. And God has given us something powerful to hold on in order to go on the offense, in order to survive the battle, in order to conquer, he has given us a sword. I want to quickly read Ephesians 6, uh, just verses 13 through 17. This is really where we've been focusing. And this is just good, powerful stuff, guys. If you haven't read through Ephesians 6, you want to go back and read it again. In fact, even if you had read it, read it again. Read it again and again. But Paul says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's such a unique weapon, Laura. I mean, Paul lists the other pieces of the armor, but he actually gives you more detail uh, describing 
the word of God being a sword. It is an offensive piece, not like uh, offending somebody's feelings. It's a, it's an offense weapon. It's the one that you're going on an attack, not just to defend yourself. And you think about all the different ways you've had to defend your position of victory, all the different pieces of the armor that are helping to maintain your position. This is one that is keeping you from losing ground. You know, when the enemy tries to back you in a corner, the, the sword is what you go after him. It's what you go on the attack. And the word, the word of God is what we use to attack the lies that the enemy um, throws at us. It's, it's, he is, he's got weak spot and his, his weak spot is the word of God. You know, we go after him with that. We didn't study all these pieces of the armor just to um, put them aside and then just hope that we can kind of creep our way forward. He says, look, you go get it. You advance the kingdom of God. And, and this is why this sword is so important. It means we're in our standing still. We're standing our ground, standing still. It doesn't mean that we don't move at all. We are moving towards him um, aggressively with the word. Now we need to do it correctly. Right, you need to know how to use your sword. I mean, I think of when my kids were little. I have boys. Um, how many dollars these kids saved uh, to buy the sword, the swords from Oriental Trading Company? You know, they would come in like packs of twenty, and they wanted to know why. In like day two, they were all broken. You know, but they there's something about learning how to use your sword. I, I smile because the kids were little and they were practicing their stances. Mm. But at the same time, we were teaching them the word of God. And now that they're grown men, I look at how they use the word mm. to stand their ground when the enemy goes after their, yeah. their personal lives and their marriages. But yeah. it is something that you have to learn. It's, it's something, it's a tool, it's a weapon that you're going to use to tear down what uh, strongholds that the enemy has. Uh, we talked about that uh, in the last podcast where we start building up these strongholds based on lies. And the Lord says, you got to tear them down. Yeah. How do you tear down a stronghold? You use the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Yep. Debbie, I love, and I know you do too, going back, and we've had so much fun in this series going back and seeing that Paul was sitting next to a Roman soldier and all of these pieces of armor um, the Roman soldier was holding it and Paul kind of might be saying, well, you are wearing that in the natural, but I'm wearing it in the spiritual. I've got my own, you know, helmet on. I've got my own belt on. Well, the same thing holds true with the sword. And I love looking at um, old, old words and seeing what things mean. It's no different with the sword. In fact, back then, the soldiers, the Roman soldiers would have had two different swords. One was called a broadsword and the purpose for the broadsword was to decapitate. It was really long and somebody from far away could swing at somebody and, and take off their head. Now, remember, we talked about with the helmet of salvation that used to happen until they changed their helmet. It was more comprehensive. But that one specific sword was really used from far away with the purpose, one purpose, and that was taking off somebody's head, right? Now, the other sword was more like a dagger and it was called a machaira. And when you look at at the word for sword of the spirit that is used in this passage, it is the word Makaira. Now it's a dagger. When you have a picture of a dagger in your mind, you know, you're holding a, a small end and, and the, the sword itself, the sharp edge there is not very long, what maybe 12 inches at the most. If you have a weapon in your hands that is that short, but that deadly, 
That means that rather than your enemy being far off where you are swinging wildly, hoping you're going to get your enemy from a distance away, you actually have a weapon that is going to be used when your enemy is right in front of you. Because if you have a short sword, you would imagine, and what the Roman soldiers used the Makara for, was face-to-face combat. Somebody, an enemy standing right in front of you, something so close to you that it wants to bring you down. Boy, what a picture of the battle that we are in when Paul chose to use the Machaira over the broadsword. He didn't say you're in a, in a battle with somebody who is far off and, and if you swing you know, strong enough, you can get them all the way, way far away. He's talking about face-to-face combat with the enemy. And when we are in a spiritual battle, don't you feel like the enemy is face-to-face right there? In fact, with this being the sharpest sword, the Makaira was the sharpest sword. It was also the shortest sword. It was for those things that were closest to the soldier. When the battle is really raging in my mind, in my life, and I know I'm not the only one, I know this goes to all of us. When the battle is really raging, how many of us know that the enemy will use the things that are closest to us to get us defeated, right? Face-to-face combat, the things that are closest to us will seem to come and and have an uh, maybe a, an attack, uh, an attack element, an element of attack against us at that time. What are some of the things, right, in our lives that are super close to us that often the enemy will use when we are in a place where we are being defeated? I mean, we can start off with relationships in our family. You know, we can be in a struggle, a spiritual struggle, and things that will happen in places very close to us will just get the fire burning even hotter, right? The enemy wants to use those things that are so close to us in order to mess us up, trip us up, and make us fall when we're called to stand. Isn't it interesting how uh, little things that could normally irritate you don't bother you as much when somebody that you don't have a relationship with does them, as opposed to somebody that you do have a relationship, especially somebody you live with, you know, those, those things that will hit your hot button yep. like a trigger it, it's the closest to home and i don't I, I think the people that know us the best when they're having off days they know how to say something or do something that it's going to affect us mm-hmm. and the enemy gets right in our face mm-hmm. where we feel very justified in in firing back yep and instead the you know we need to not do that. We need to yep. really be able to respond quickly. That that dagger, you know, when you've got that, someone's coming at you with an actual dagger, you don't have a lot of response time. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be prepared for how you're going to respond. It's the same thing when somebody comes and tries to uh, push your button. Mm-hmm. You need to have a quick response. You know, my son Dan is a black belt in Tang Sudo. And one of the things that they practiced was a lot of different um, uh, techniques, you know, different self-defense. But practicing it all you want doesn't matter 
when somebody comes after you, you have to be able to respond right away, right back at them. So it's the same thing, you know, with how, when someone's coming at you, when the enemy is coming at you, pushing your identity buttons or trying to trigger emotions, you don't have a long time to respond. Debbie, it is so true. You know, there are other things that we also can find ourselves battling with face to face when we are in a different kind of battle as well. Those things that are close to us will start to get fired up and we will get more fired up in the process if we are not fully guarded in the armor of God. I mean, you think about things, ministry opportunities or or things that we even might be doing for the Lord, you know, things that we feel um, are for a, a greater purpose Uh, things that the enemy has seen has tripped us up in the past. He will bring all those things back right in front of our face, right in front of us, you know, super close. And that's why we need a sword that is a dagger so that we can defeat, combat the enemy in those places that are close to us. God knows what we need when it comes time for the battle. He knows it's going to be things that are close to us that are going to kick us up. And so he has given us a dagger. You know, I just just to clarify, it's not the people that we need to go after. Remember, we talked, Laura, before about the real enemy is is Satan himself. Amen. It's not the person standing in front of you. Satan has an ability to influence people to say things or do things that irritate us. And so, when we are going to talk about how to use the sword, which is the word of God, it's not to attack a person. That's right. It's a, it's unfortunately, I think there's a lot of Christians who have tried to use the word to hit somebody. Mm. You know, it's the sword of the spirit. The spirit mm. of God is the one who changes people's hearts. Yep. You know, he's the one that goes and and helps open eyes to see where there's sin or to motivate people to turn to the Lord. Unfortunately, there's enough history right of christians and perhaps we've done it too um in our lifetime where we've taken a scripture and it's almost like i'm going after the person in front of me with with the word and it backfires you know if anything it actually turns them further away so true from a relationship with god so we look at this sword of the spirit it belongs to the spirit of god which means it will always be used in a manner that God would use it, which is always coming out of a base of love. That's right. Right. That's not right. of not of trying to damage a person. That's it's, right. It's the motive is with God is always to restore individuals to their relationship with the Heavenly Father. That's right. He's given us a sword, a powerful weapon. It can do, you know, amazing things. We need to use it correctly. Absolutely. And I think that's key what you're saying. All because we have something powerful in our hands, we don't get the right to decide how it's going to be used. We still use it in love, like you said, according to the word of the Spirit, what he says. You know, we talk about the Holy Spirit. He is, it's a he, the Holy Spirit is not an it. And he lives inside each believer. He's the third part of the third person in the Trinity, and he resides inside the believer. So everything's got to flow out from yes. that spirit. Yes. You know, now we have the choice whether to operate in the flesh where we want to try to do things on our own strength. That's like picking up an actual sword and hitting somebody with it versus the sword of the Lord, yep. the word of God coming out of a place that is consistent with who God says that he is. Yep. And his character and the way God would do things. 
It's, I think it's awesome, Laura, to take time and look at three different words in the original language for when you would read the Word of God. Now, one of the words, graphy, means it's like the actual pages of the book. It's the literal, you will hold a book. I don't know how many people still do that in this world <laughs> of Kindle, but it's actually the pages. It's the actual book itself. That's not the term that Paul is using here for the Word of God. The second word is logos, which is the actual, uh, the the word, the message, the, the wording that's written down. This is alive. It's powerful. Jesus is called the word of God. He is, he's referred to as the logos. He's the message of God in the flesh. So the, the logos word is very, very powerful. That's what you read. And then the third word, which is the word of God used right here, is the word rhema. If that's a new word for you, it's R-H-E-M-A. And that word is the, it's like the utterance of God. It's that spoken word of God in your life. It's when you're reading the Logos written word and the words jump off the page and your spirit is quickened and you're like, oh my gosh, this is how it applies to me today. It's that light bulb that goes off over your head. It's that it's that revelation that is coming from the Holy Spirit who is like the illuminator, right, of the of the message. And that is becomes how do I apply this to my life? It's so important to learn how to hear the quickening of the Holy Spirit when he opens your heart, when he opens your understanding to how to apply the written word in your life. And that's what they're talking about here. So the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it's it's what makes that sword powerful. It's when the Holy Spirit goes, Debbie, this is exactly how you need to apply this scripture today in this circumstance, in this battle that's right in front of you. This is what you need to do with it. It's that still small voice that suddenly it becomes alive because now you've got something to do to respond to what the word says. Amen. You know, you, you talked about three different words for the word, word, right? Graphy, logos, and rhema. And I would say that I probably have more than five or six copies of the graphy of the word of God, right? I've got the written word of God in five or six places in my house. Now we can also get it online as well, but I can read it. I can read the logos, I can read the meaning, but it's until I understand the rhema that I am going to know what God is speaking to me today in this moment. It takes me back to a story, and I love the Old Testament, I know you do too, but in 2 Kings 22, there's a story about a king named Josiah. He's eight years old when he becomes king, and he's going to do some amazing things that God has told him to do for the kingdom of God. He is going to start to restore the temple and without really getting into all the history behind it. But it is an amazing passage. If you haven't read 2 Kings 22, turn to it and check it out. Uh, God's people have gone the wrong way. The temple has become desecrated. The gold has been stripped from it. It is a, it's in shambles. Terrible things have happened in the temple. And Josiah wants to restore it back to a place of worship for God. And so he sends people in, in order to restore, clean up, get the temple back together. And in the process of cleaning up the temple, somebody finds the graphy, 
the word of God, right? Somebody finds the the books of the Bible that have already been put down on paper, finds the book of the law is what they call it. And he, they bring it to Josiah and they say, you know, we have found the book of the law. Now this blows my mind because I don't even know. I don't even know if the Bible tells us. I honestly cannot remember if it does how many years the people of God were without the graphy. You know, somewhere along the line, they had pushed it aside. It had gotten piled up under something else, pushed to the side, covered in dirt. Who knows what happened to it? But eventually it was not in the central location that it was supposed to hold in the temple when the people of God worshiped the one true God. So they find the graphy and they bring it to Josiah. And Josiah is just amazed because he is holding the words of God, the written word of God. And I think sometimes it's very easy for us to hold the written word of God and then just put it down and walk away. We're all guilty of it, right? Josiah, the people had not had it for years and years they had turned from God. And when Josiah, the king, held the graphy, the word of God in his hands, it just became a fire in his bones. Something started to turn inside of him. And so he asked someone, you know, to read it and, and tell them what it meant. And so someone started reading it, reading the logos, exactly what you were just saying. Josiah, they found the graphy, they found the written word of God, but it wasn't enough to just hold the word. He knew there was something alive in this book. And so they opened up the book and they started to read it. And the, the logos, the meaning of what was in the word of God started to pierce his heart, you know? And I know we've all had that when we've been at church or heard a podcast or just opened up the word of God for ourselves, and somebody speaks uh, a word and we that just pierces our heart. But then, just like you were saying, the word that was read and the meaning behind it, the Holy Spirit illuminated it. It became a rhema word and it went right to where Josiah needed to be. And it spoke to his heart that there was a need for repentance in the land because the people had gone their own way. And when the written word was interpreted through the meaning, the rhema word out of that meaning spoke to Josiah's heart that it was time for repentance to begin in the house of Israel. And so Josiah, you know, he went all out for repentance and called for a repentant time for the people of Israel. It's this it's this picture, and it's not far from what can happen to us, of how picking up the word and opening it up is the first start, but it's not where we stop, right? We want to know the meaning. And then from the meaning, Josiah had it pierce his heart, and wow, it impacted him on that day. It was exactly what he needed to hear in that day, in that moment. Just like you said, he still does for us today, Deb. He still speaks a word today that is exactly what we need for the moment that we are in, just like he did for Josiah. You know, the content of that original word is that that it stands forever. It will always apply. But life for Josiah looks different than life for us today. And so it's it's great to look at Josiah's story and and see how the Rhema word led him to repentance but you know we already we don't have to go find the word we already have it mm -hmm. and and so how do we translate that into our lives today and i i think of different circumstances that um we listeners we might find ourselves in when you're a brand new christian especially if you were not raised in a home 
where the word was even any part of your upbringing, you just don't know. You don't know what the Logos word is. You don't know what um, the Bible has to say about different issues in your in your life. You don't really have an understanding of who God is, you know, of who the person of the Holy Spirit is. It's You just don't know the Logos. So the place to start is to get yourself a really good study Bible. And maybe a little bit later, you can mention some, I know this is your sweet spot, you know, the studying of the word will let you go down that trail. But if you don't feel like you have a good handle on the word, you want to get your hands on to a good source, you know, of scripture. But many of us, we have Bibles in our house, we have Bible apps on our phone, and we have a daily routine, a discipline of reading the Word of God, but you read it, you check the box, literally maybe on your your Bible study app, you know, like, yes, I've done my reading for the day, and you shut it down or you close your Bible and you walk away and it has not changed you. It has not made a difference. You've really just read scripture. And again, that's great that you're doing that, right? It's great that you're reading, but you're walking away and it's kind of like saying, all right, I picked up my dagger and I've put it in my backpack, you know, or I've left it at home. Mm -hmm. But when the enemy's in front of me, I don't know what to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and I think many, many Christians are in that spot when the when the troubles come, they're almost like a deer in the headlight. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't understand what the difference is. I've not, I don't know what to do when there's this onslaught of anger or these thoughts that are attacking me that really make me feel like a failure. I don't know how to get out of that. And that, that should be a red flag that you have read the scripture, but then you have not taken it a step further to the rhema word. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to have you ask the question, what I just read, Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak to my life today about how does this apply? Yep. You know, what is the, what revelation do you have for me that's fresh for where I am? Yeah. You know, the other day, Debbie, it's just a, I love how God gives us perfect examples about things before we even know that we need them. But uh, a couple of days ago, I was sitting down with my Bible to have uh, my time with God. And I was struggling with something um, that I was really getting ready to pray about as well. And I happen to be reading uh, through the book of John right now. And so I just felt like at that moment, and this is where we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, right? I was reading through the book of John, but if God takes us off of John or God takes me off of John for a little while to go with the Spirit's flow. And I opened up my Bible to a story in the Old Testament. And I'm telling you, it was it was me. Now, granted, it was about a king of Israel, but it was me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I read that story. And then I, I do have a study Bible I was reading from at that time. And on the side, the questions that were asked about the story that I was reading were questions that I needed the Lord to ask me. And so uh, in that moment, I you know, you get out your journal, you start writing things down. It's amazing how you know, you know, I think that's a question people could ask too. All right, so I open up the Word of God, I read it, I try to use a study tool to find out what it means, but how do I know when God is speaking something specifically to me? And and my answer to that would be like, you just know. And the way that I know is, honestly, sometimes it's either a, a confirmation of my spirit. I get goosebumps sometimes, even just talking about this event the other day. It was goosebumps. Like, this was a moment for me. This was exactly what God had for me in that moment. 
And so I think that um, there are certain things that we can do if we're talking about, you know, we've seen Josiah's story and how the the graphy led to the logos read to led to rhema and wow what a change i think that happens to us too when we have a need or regardless of where we're reading through the word when we when we have a need or when we are reading the word coming into that time with prayer saying god i've got the graphy and and thank you for the graphy right we need to thank god for the graphy because there are people in this world who do not have the graphy who are not allowed to have the graphy and so we thank god that we have a sword of the spirit we can hold in our hands we're thankful for that and then say, God, would you show me the meaning of, of the things that I'm reading? And then would you illuminate to my heart mm-hmm. what you would speak to me in this moment? And this is where I think that a pile of note cards really comes into play too. Because I can write things in my journal and then I go, oh, I wanted to remember that scripture. And I go way far back to where I was and I can't find it, right? Because my journal's pretty packed. But if I have a pile of note cards right next to me, and even at the top, if I put like, um, this was about the moment I needed joy, you know, and I write the verse where God spoke to my heart about joy, and I keep that, I put it in my bathroom. There's something about those those scriptures that will, will pierce our hearts. I love saying that, that will pierce our hearts when God speaks to us. It's just like when, I mean, honestly, Debbie, the reason that, well, aside from the fact that God told us to start a podcast. The reason that you and I started this whole podcast in the first place is because we talk about Jesus all the time. Yep. Right. And so we invited other people into our conversation. When you and I are talking about Jesus and I'm sharing a need with you and you speak a word from the word to me, I know when it's the word that I need to go on in where I am. And so I think that there is Uh, just this power behind saying, this is the word that God spoke to me. When I've had some struggles in my life and my family, um, and honestly, I still hold on to some of these specific things because I have not seen the complete fulfillment with my eyes yet. I have on a note card what God spoke to my heart, right? A verse that he gave me, what he said to my heart. He spoke it. It's alive. It's not going to change. It was from the graphy, it was the logos, and now it's my rhema word, and I will hold on to it until the day I die, right? Because God always comes through on his word. Where do we go from here? I think the first thing is, and I know that you you speak this and preach this too, Deb, we have to have habits <laughs> that line up with keeping the graphy, the logos, asking for the rhema in it as part of our central focus every single day. If we don't do something with a habit, it is going to go away. It could be exercise, it could be eating right, but most importantly, it could be the word of God. Mm -hmm. And we want to have that habit settled, firm, and hold on to it and don't let anything sway us from where we are supposed to be. Uh, You know, I had a a thought, Laura, first, for someone who grew up in a church when I've heard these different Bible stories my whole life, there is a danger in saying as soon as you hear somebody read a scripture i know that one already Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know you know i've especially something that's familiar like a psalm 23 or um, i think of christmas right christmas story or easter story now for many many years i was teaching kids um, and I would teach them from uh, the Christmas story. Well, you could say, well, how much is there to know about the Christmas story? You know, it's Mary, Joseph, angels, and sheep, and shepherds. And and so what God challenged me to do a number of years ago was, why don't you read it like you've never read it before and mm-hmm. erase the idea that you know this already? Yep. 
because his word is alive and things that are alive are always growing and changing. Yep. Like his word doesn't change, but the application for my life, the, the rhema, what I need to receive at 53 is different than what I need to receive when I was 23. So that is the way I've taught, um, especially when I was teaching kids, year after year, there was not one Christmas story teaching that was the same as the previous year. Yep. Now, yep. did I change the story of Christmas? No, <laughs> right. but I absolutely got something fresh from the Holy Spirit that was applying to um, the circumstances. And so it's been really, it's been fun. And, and I find myself smiling because I'm teaching a women's Bible study and I'm doing a, a three-week series on the Christmas series. Well, the same thought goes through my head. Why don't <laughs> I had this thought? Why don't you just teach something you taught at church a couple years ago? And the Lord was like, why? It's still fresh. That's right. That's right? right. It's still That's fresh. Right. And so I, I took a brand new piece of paper and mm. read the same scriptures. And I'm like, God, illuminate to me. Mm. What is it that you have for this year? And mm. lo and behold, the Holy Spirit brought a whole new rhema word right out there in front of me that applied. And I'm like, and then the excitement. That's the excitement. You know, yep. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It is alive and active. If if your were if your experience with the Lord is um, not alive and active, then you know what? It's time to change it up. Yep. Go back, like you said, to look at your schedule, develop your habits, your disciplines, and, and get into the Logos Word and invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak and and give you a fresh rhema word and take time to listen. Half the time, I think we miss what the Holy Spirit wants to say because we're not taking time to listen. That's right. That's right. I love that. I love the fact that God gives us indicators for things like this. And so I want that be a challenge for me too. You know, is the word of God alive and active in my life? I want it to be that way. And so I'm going to make sure that I keep my habit, right, of asking the Holy Spirit to speak to me through the the rhema word of God. I am grateful, Deb, as we close up this series on the, the armor of God. Now we do have a Christmas episode next week where we're going to still be focusing on the armor of God, but bringing the Christmas story into it. So I'm grateful. We're not all the way over with it yet, but it has been a a very challenging series for me. Um, thank you all for being a part of it with us. Thank you for listening. Uh, we love to hear from you. We love uh, emails. If you want to uh, send us an email, beyondwomensconference at gmail.com. Thank you for being a part. We pray that you'd have a blessed Christmas season and thank you for being with us. Take care and God bless you. God bless her, you guys. We believe that God will use what we share to encourage you as you step into the more that he has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you were created for more.